Hello and welcome to what is the Arsenal way after Arsenal's last pre-season game ahead of the Community Shield on Sunday. Arsenal drawing 1-1. We're here to talk about the match. Uh, plenty of news. Gabriel Jesus, of course, some big news involving him. We've got some transfer stuff to talk about at the end as well. Uh, I hope you've had a fantastic uh, week so far and uh, you're enjoying yourselves. I'm joined this morning by Umar. How are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm good. So does that mean the Community Shield in your eyes... It's not a preseason fixture. No, I'd say it's not a friendly. Yeah. I, that's what I would say. I agree. So I'm just saying, like that was the last preseason friendly. Yeah. So Sunday's game isn't a friendly. It's a preseason yeah. trophy. <laughs> so exactly. yeah, um, it's it's more than the Emirates Cup. It's not as much as the League Cup. Is mm. what I would you know. It's not as much as not in Forest to be honest in a week's time. Um, yeah. That's more important to me than than this game. But uh, yeah, so fingers crossed. Anyway, that's a good result. It's an opportunity. We we might touch on the Community Shield tomorrow, of course, because that'll be our last show before uh, the weekend. Um, but uh, yeah, Monaco. Uh, you obviously watched it as well. Um, I was there at the Emirates yesterday, celebrating Arsene Wenger's statue, uh, which was great. And uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. But what do you think about the game and the performance? The performance, um, it wasn't the best, um, if, if I'm being completely honest. Um, I'm not going to be too harsh on, on the players because I think the first team that played and started the game, it was not the first eleven that is going to potentially start against probably Manchester City, let alone Nottingham Forest. So you can mm. excuse it in terms of that. There was a lot of changes. Um, you talk about the midfield. Um, Emil Smith-Rowe started the game alongside Declan Rice and Thomas Partey, which I thought um, was interesting. Um, I, I like the fact Mikel Arteta decided to go with that because there's been talk um, all across the Arsenal fan base that they want to see Partey and Declan Rice starting together. And Mikel Arteta, he, he decided to chuck them in the deep end and see how they fared. I thought Partey had a good game. Uh, I thought he was very good. Um, Declan Rice, I still think he's getting accustomed to that position, accustomed to um, the players. Um, I thought the left-hand side of the pitch was very fluid in terms of uh, Timber, um, Martinelli and Declan Rice. The right-hand side, I think, still needs a bit of work. But again, Ben White didn't start the game. Bakaya Saka never featured at all. So you can you can excuse that to be honest. But look, 1-1 draw against, it has to be said, a very good Monaco outfit. I thought they were fantastic. I thought Fofana in the middle of the park, oh, brilliant, brilliant yeah. player. player on the pitch. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal. Like, I'll, I'll be shocked if there's not Premier League clubs buying him up yeah. before the transfer window closes because I thought he was sensational. Um, so yeah, Monaco thought they were very good. They gave us, they gave Arsenal a test and I think that's what you want in pre-season. You want um, teams to come to your stadium to not just basically lay down and just take a beating. We saw last season when I think we played Sevilla in the Emirates Cup, I think it was, and I think what, it was 6-0 or something, TC. And like we absolutely like, battered them in that game. And it was a, like a coasting performance. However, one year on, we've played against a very good Monaco outfit. Um, and they've shown that they, they are a good team. And I think Arsenal and Mikel Arteta will have learned a lot in that game. Will have learned that there's still a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of um, the upcoming season. There's still a few players which are not at that level required. Um, but again, I thought 
certain cameos from the likes of Yuri and Timber. Again, I thought it was very positive. I like the fact that he offers that versatility. You always saw Tomiyasu and him interchanging. It's not really the same. Timber's playing at times as a left back, but then he switches sides and he plays as a right back. It shows the versatility. It shows both players are comfortable swapping and interchanging. But look, 1-1 draw against Monaco. We beat them on penalties. Happy to see Ramsdale make a save. And we move on. And let's let's not go a bit overboard, which I've seen on social media. And it happens. You know how Arsenal fans are. Oh, we've drawn oh, against Monaco. This and that. This and that. <laughs> um, the season's done. Like We're going to not even finish in the Champions League. Like, calm down. Calm down. It's pre-season. Like, we've got new players. We're trying to embed them in. There's, there's things that we need to work on and improve on, which is 100% sure, accurate. But there's still things that are positive in terms of what I saw yesterday. So let's let's go ahead um, to the game against Manchester City on the weekend. And uh, Leia, let's take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm absolutely in agreement with that. Uh, I don't think there's any need to, to, to you know, lose your head over it. It's the end of the day. It's uh, We saw how good we can be against Barcelona at times. We've seen um, all of last season how good we can be as a club. Pre-season is pre-season. We change things a lot in terms of the lineup as well in the first half and that obviously sets the tone for the game Smith Rowe Vieira we really miss Bakaya Saka like you mm. felt his absence and I think that maybe that in itself highlights that there is a need to bring someone in between now and the end of the summer I personally would love to see Mohamed Kudus brought in um, would love to see you know a player like that signed or any, or another competitive option for that right wing slot I think it's absolutely imperative that we do that so let's wait and see on trans but in regards to other performances, Fabio Vieira, I thought was really disappointing. Um, uh, you know, the press box is right uh, in front of where the right winger in the first half plays. And every single time he got the ball, where like Saka, I feel, would be like direct, would take the player on, drive into the box, run in behind. He doesn't have that same pace. He does, he's not that same style. It isn't his position, which I think is certainly always context is worth applying because he is an attacking midfielder, not a right winger. And I just feel as though that he, he he's lacking so much confidence that he always takes the ball, checks back, plays a safe pass, tries a cross. He doesn't like get into the box enough for me if he's playing on that right-hand side. And again, it kind of leaned into we need to look at, at seeing who we can bring in to, to give us more depth on the right. Um, so I thought that was disappointing. What did you make of Declan Rice's performance playing with Partey? I thought it was good, to, to mm. be honest. I thought... Um, you it always mixed see, reviews. Yeah, that's, that's what mm. I mean, which, which annoys me. And like I'm thinking, look, give the guy a break. Like He's, he's come from a team where he was the main man and he's come to a team, he's joined a team where he needs to basically get accustomed to Mikel Arteta's system. Mikel Arteta has got a plan in place for Declan Rice and it's going to take time for him to adjust. It's going to take time for him to fit in and link up with the likes of Thomas Partey, Bakaya Saka, etc. But for, I thought it was a positive performance. I thought the passing, he's always on the front foot. He's always thinking forward, which again, I think is, is positive for me. I like the fact that he nearly scored in certain situations. I like the fact that his link-up play with the likes of Yuri and Timber and Gabriel Martinelli was good. On another day, that little run that he makes um, from, I think it was Martinelli's pass, and he whips the ball in. in another, on another day, Bukaya Saka's at the back post and he puts that in the net. He puts that in the net. And then everyone's basically raving about that piece of 
play from Martinelli and Declan Rice, and they're talking about the fact that Declan Rice is worth 105 million pounds. That's how that's how that's how crazy football is. But again, I, I was really impressed the fact that Mikel Arteta decided to play both of them together because I wanted to see that as well. I like the fact that in certain games, in certain scenarios, there's going to be a situation where Declan Rice plays with Odegaard and Kai Havertz, and it's going to be different to what Mikel Arteta wants. Certain games against the likes of Nottingham Forest, potentially, um, the teams in the bottom half of the table. However, in the big games, the stern tests, such as Manchester City potentially this weekend, he's basically going to have an opportunity to throw both of them together. And Declan Rice can play that position. He can play that position. I think he has the capabilities to do that Shaka position. And I think, look, it's going to take him time. It's going to take him time. But I see a player in there. I see an, a player that has got so much ability, so much explosiveness, so much ability to get up and down the pitch, which I think is key. Which I, That's the key aspect for me. But I saw Thomas Partey last night. And again, I'm so happy that potentially staying at this football club because if Partey was to say go in these final weeks of the window, we would be in a difficult, difficult position to replace him. And I've seen names being chucked about in terms of Romeo Lavia, Moises Caicedo, etc. Thomas Partey, he's a better player. He's a better player. Experience is priceless for me. He knows Miklatet's system. He knows how to play with this team. He's got that experience at high level. He's played in the Champions League. It's just that injury worry that everyone has with Thomas Partey. Take away the injuries you'd probably say he's a better player than Declan Rice. Like, honestly, if Thomas Partey never had no injuries, what, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think that it's, it's, it's something that I've been debating back and forth for the course of the summer. I think your point about him understanding the system is a really important one. And I think that I would bed Rice in with Partey. Yeah. You know, I think if I was picking my best Arsenal team, I'm playing them together, hmm. you know, at this moment in time. I just think it gives us such a, a better bedrock of the midfield than using Havertz and Erdegaard immediately. I want to see the havertz Erdegaard partnership also used and I want to see that developed and given opportunities to flourish but I feel as though if I'm picking Arsenal's best team Partey and Rice are both in that side so and then Odegaard as the as the attacking player I really liked what Rice did down the left combinations with mm. Martinelli crossing into the box was unlucky not to get an assist was unlucky not to score it was a brilliant tackle that stopped him. I can't remember who I don't know if it was Matt Seymour um, but someone stopped him and it was a brilliant brilliant tackle because yeah. he would have scored I think otherwise and I just think that obviously Partey is a lot more accomplished. There obviously are the question marks over his availability and reliability, which is why there was such an in, uh, a focus on making sure that we sign a player like Rice. Um, I think that defensively, ironically, even though Rice is going to be playing ahead of him, I think defensively, Rice's numbers are more impressive than, yeah. than Partey. Um, but I think on a technical level, Partey is a Partey, better player. That turn. But strangely, Rice seems to fit the eight role better than Partey does yeah, yeah. at this moment in time. I think that both of them have got great ability to play with one another. I think that both of them are, are in my opinion, world-class level players. And having those two in the midfield, when they've gelled, when they've, you know, when Rice is really acclimatised to what he's in this team. Because I think that he's been playing at a level where he's the best player in West Ham exactly. by a distance. Yeah. And now he's coming into a team where he's coming into a midfield where he's not even the best, arguably not the best yeah. midfielder. Yeah. So 
you've got to adjust to that. You've got to adapt to that. And it's going to take some time. But when he does click and when he does, you know, move into uh, feeling more comfortable, it's going to be great. And uh, I look forward to seeing it happen more often. And I would start both of them against City. I think we yeah, have to start both of them against City. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that that touches on that that side of things. Uh, let's talk about the striker situation. You know, Gabriel Jesus injured. Um, Al has had a what is described as a... Uh, a pro a procedure uh, on his knee. Arteta said a few weeks. I've heard those words before. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard a few weeks for Saliba. I've heard mm-hmm. a few weeks for Zinchenko. Mm-hmm. You know, a few weeks doesn't always mean a few weeks when it comes to Arteta. It's not a couple of players. weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've heard things that it's not too serious, um, and that would align with what Arteta said. Uh, and that hopefully he'll be back and that it's only a minor issue. It's not like a repairing of an ACL. It's not like, it, apparently, it's not like he's he's redone, uh, like, a, I think it was an MCL that he MCL, did. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't think it's any, in line of doing that. I think that he's had some discomfort. It's not fully kind of like worked out in the recovery process. And they've decided to, to, to have this procedure so that he'll be more available than he would have done perhaps if he didn't have the procedure. And I think that's probably the smarter thing to do. Um, so without talking about Enketi or transfers just yet, how damaging is this, do you think, for us? It is. It is because everyone knows that Arsenal's best team features Gabriel uh, Jesus as as our yeah. number nine. Like it's, it's a common fact. I think Jesus, what he offers to this Arsenal team, take away the goals, take away the assists. It's his all-round performance. It's his all-round game. The way he links up with Gabriel Martinelli, the way he links up with Bakaya Saka, he just basically causes chaos in the heart of the defence for the opponents. He's always basically a nuisance. You just don't know where he's going to go. He'll take you one way and then he'll take you another. And I think if he's out for, say, a number of weeks, I think it will affect Arsenal in the opening um, weeks of the season. And you talk about the fact that Mikel Arteta, in his post-match press conference, he basically stated that it's just a few weeks. I'm worried, if I'm completely honest, because it's a knee injury. Like, and he's the fact that he's had the procedure, it's not the fact that he's basically trying to overcome a knock or he's, someone's hit his knee. It's a procedure that's basically taken, pla- taken place, surgery to his knee. And that's going to take time for him to, reco- to recover, time to basically um, get back on the training pitch. And you could probably say you're looking at six weeks or so yeah. until, until he's back. Uh, that's what I'd say. To be honest, but I understand why Mikel Arteta is basically um, being optimistic. He's not trying to worry the Arsenal fan base. He's trying to say a couple of weeks. But hear me out. Is also the fact that when we're looking for potential potential transfer incomings, you don't want to start telling people that Gabriel Jesus is out for a couple of months, because then people in and around Europe will know that Arsenal are after a striker. They are they are after someone um, in terms of replacement, and then the price goes up. Like the price goes up. People don't think about that side of things because it's clever. It's clever. If Gabriel Jesus is out for, say, six, seven, eight weeks, Arsenal will need to dip into the transfer market, in my opinion. And yeah. that's that's even... It's Gallagher's going. Yeah, he's going. I, I, I know it's not been confirmed, but like, I, I don't... Arteta said plan. that he doesn't change the plan. Yeah, like, exactly. If you lose your main striker for five five weeks and you're turning around and staying in a press conference... The plan doesn't change for the third choice striker. You know, 
Like, come on. <laughs> like, oh, it's, on. It's so obvious that they're looking to try and move him on. Exactly. So yeah. if he if he goes, they have to find another striker option, surely. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Like, Leandro Trossard, he's proven in the past that he's capable of doing that role. Um, Kai Havertz, potential yeah. option as the number nine. Sure. But again, do I see him as a number nine? To be honest, no. He can do that role. He can fill that void. But is he up to that standard of Gabriel Jesus? I don't think so. I'd probably put Leandro Trossard above him in, in that ranking if I was going to basically choose a replacement for Gabriel Jesus in the Arsenal um, uh, team already. And you've got Eddie Nketiah, which we'll speak about. So there are options there, but are they up to that standard that Gabriel Jesus offers? Not necessarily. Mohamed Kudus... He's been linked. He can do that false line position. But again, I'm trying to sign Kudus to basically fill that um, void if Bakaya Saka doesn't play, compete with him. So he's basically a right-sided option. One interesting link, which I don't think people are really speaking about, Yao Felix. Yao Felix. You keep hearing about the fact that he's depressed. He's not happy at Atletico Madrid. He wants to leave. And I'm... That's loaded, isn't he? I know I've seen basically recoup the fee that they paid, I think, Benfica for him, £100 million. Or whatever oh, much no, they're just not going to happen. Yeah, yeah exactly. He wants Barcelona. I think I've been quoting him that he's desperate to go to Barcelona. He's desperate to go to Barcelona, but if you think Mikel Arteta gets on the blower, he's not going to change his mind. But it's true. Like if, if I'm looking for options right now, and that's not me necessarily saying pay money to Atletico Madrid to bring him on a permanent deal. A short-term yeah. option, a loan spell again. Loan with an option. Exactly. I think that would be a perfect replacement for Gabriel. Oh, Hedges. I'd love that. Yeah, exactly. I'd, I'd, I'd love that. Yeah. Yeah, I, the only reason I wasn't keen on the loan in January is because there was no control in that deal. Yeah. Like Chelsea had to pay a silly loan fee for a player that you know has been out of form, has never played in the Premier League, and they well, obviously he already extended his deal with Atleti as well, so he was going back. If yeah. Arsenal could sign Joao Felix on loan with an option, and you know having now played in the Premier League and done semi okay, not great, yeah. and a really bad Chelsea team. I'm not going to judge him like I didn't really judge Kai Havertz for playing on that side either. Mm. But yeah, I'd be I'd be very, very open to to speaking with Atleti, not me personally, but very open to Arsenal, you know, getting out Atleti on the blower, as you say, <laughs> you know, and uh and saying, look, let's let's sort something because I think that would be an interesting one for Arsenal mm. to consider. Yeah, absolutely. Um because we don't lose much. We don't lose much if basically he comes in. Because he, he's got the similar characteristics as a Gabriel yeah. Jesus, doesn't he? Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if Arsenal are to sign a striker, it's not going to be yeah. Avlaovic. It's yeah. not going to be that type of forward or Hoyland. You know, I think it's going to be a striker. Like Kudus, for instance, you know, mm. who would be linked to can play centre forwards and yeah. is collaborative, uh, is creative um, to a degree. He's more technical and on the ball dribbler than, than a passer. But I, I think that those are the types of players that we would look to try and bring in. I, I think Trossard, if I was choosing to start a striker on on Saturday, on Sunday, I'd choose Trossard to play 100%, 100%. there. 100%. Um, and I don't know what it is. And there's an interview of Eddie Nketiah going out uh, a little bit later on today. I spoke to him after the game. Can't talk about it yet, but it'll be going out later. And I think that the, the whole rhetoric around Eddie is always... 
step in? Are you ready to step in? Are you ready to fill those shoes? It's never, Eddie is never thought of as a, you're the guy that's going to, you know, be a leader in, in, in the forward line. There's an irony that he had the captaincy yesterday as well, which yeah. I thought was an interesting choice. I do think that only Ramsdale was really the only other candidate. I suppose some yeah, people might say true. Declan Rice, but you're not going to pick Declan Rice at this stage. Um, even though I know we did ironically put Jesus into the captaincy uh, team when he arrived. So maybe I'm underestimating that side, but I think only Ramsdale would have been the other option for captain uh, from that starting lineup. But I just think from Eddie Nketiah, he, at this point in time, has not done enough to shift the conversation away from he's a backup rather than being he's a competitor. And he has to, if he gets... And I think he will get chances because Arteta really wants to give him those opportunities. His job this season is to shift the view, you know, so that he's not being asked questions about are you ready to step in, are you ready to fill in? And instead, he's being asked... Um, how do you plan on continuing this impressive? How how does it feel? What are you doing differently? How are you planning on being trying to change the viewpoint of, of what you're being discussed as? And that's his job this season is to change the conversation because he's going to stay. I, I don't think he'll go, hmm. um, even though there's suggested links with like West Ham and Palace and stuff. I think he will stay, um, and I think he will play while Jesus is out because Arteta has used him when when Jesus is out. He has to change the conversation. But at this moment in time, having said that, who do I trust to play centre forward more at the moment in this in the best Arsenal team? If Jesus isn't there, it's Trossard. I want to see Trossard play. Um, and if if Nketiah starts, sure, fine. Mm. But you know, prove me wrong. You know, I've always challenged Nketiah to prove me wrong, and you know that's. I don't know. It's it's difficult because obviously it's, when you, I was very conscious yesterday after the game speaking to him that I'm standing there, I'm asking him questions, and I'm like. You're always in the back of your mind going, if you've watched anything that I've said, mm. he will know that I've been rather critical of him, right? Mm. And players do watch stuff. I'm not of saying course, they watch they our stuff. I'm just saying they watch they stuff. So there's a good chance they've come across things that have been said, mm. you know? And I'm standing there thinking, you'll know what I've said, and I'm sitting, standing here asking you questions about it, and I'm very conscious of that point. And I just want it to be that I, I think that it's absolutely fair to say that so far we have needed to see more from Eddie. Mm. And if I thought he was great yesterday, thought he was. He was, was yeah. I, saw, I saw a comment at the start <laughs> yeah. of the video. He was um, one of the best players. <laughs> yeah, Mick said, and Ketia yeah. stars, <laughs> dear me. He was our best <laughs> player for that <laughs> first half without an argument. You know, he was our best player in that first half. His turn and touch was great. His strength was great. His finishing was really good in that position. Mm. Yeah, sure that he could have maybe taken a, another opportunity. The header maybe could have been better, but I still think that was more Vieira than him. And he, was fe he wasn't he was feeding off the best opportunities either. Scraps, yeah. You know? Yeah, so I just think there's this... And obviously that comment from Mick, I think, really showcased... Did you see, did you see when the captaincy news came out? It filtered mm, yeah. before the, the game. Reaction to that. The yeah. reaction is just like too much. Like, come on. It is on. too much. Like, I mean, who really is jumping onto social media and getting that upset <sighs> exactly. about someone wearing the armband? It's crazy. I don't get it. It's really strange. Very strange. Like, there's so many words that I could use, but I'll probably get sacked. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's not good. It's not good. Like, I understand being critical of a player's mm. performance, I can get mm. on board with that. I think criticism criticism is fine. But start using insults, start like being uh, rude, being disrespectful to a player yeah. who's basically... It's disrespect. Exa is, exactly. Yeah. Just wearing an armband. 
it's, that's one of that's mm. one of the proudest moments for Eddie and Katia for his family to basically lead Arsenal out for the first yeah. time wearing the captain's armband. You should be proud yeah. of him, not disrespecting yeah. him. And like Jesus isn't there, and I think yeah. if Jesus fit started, he would have worn the armband. Odegaard was on the bench. Tierney was on the bench. Rapolding was on the bench. These are all people that you know. I you know. I Holdings worn the armband before. Tierney's worn the armband before. Jesus, I think, would. Zinchenko, I think, would. You know, these are all people that I'd probably put ahead of Eddie in terms of the pecking order. Um, I think Rice will get there as well. You know, but it was his first Emirates game. I don't think you're going to captain exactly. him after yeah. signing. Ramsdale, I think, was a potentially the other candidate that could. But even then, he's only been here two seasons. Eddie has been here since nice. he was. Yeah. How long has he been? Long time. I, I, he, yeah. he left. Chelsea. He had, I think, something like it wasn't that. Was it eight, eight years old? I think that's wrong. Yeah, I feel like it was something like eight years old. Nine, something uh, around that age. Yeah. <laughs> I know he was at Chelsea with Rice. I can't remember how far went it back. How, how far back it went, but he's been at Arsenal for, I'd assume, the best part of around a decade, hmm. and he knows the club. He's signed on. He's our number fourteen, um, who was obviously a previous captain as well. And like it's, it is, that is that word disrespect is what it is. It's like if you're that upset about Eddie and Ketia when there are probably five or six candidates ahead of him that weren't on the field in an Emirates Cup game being wow. given the armband, just give yourselves a shake, you know, it's because <laughs> it's it's just too much to see that. Like if look, if you were turning around saying Eddie and Ketia has been named the official captain of Arsenal, we can have a conversation exactly. about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, right now it's just not needed. It's really not fair play. He, he captained the under twenty ones, you know, the England under twenty ones as well. And uh, yeah, I, as I'm going to be writing about that a little bit later. But it's yeah, the fan base sometimes, some of them never ever cease to amaze me how far they'll take the you know, the reason to be disrespectful. Uh, let's talk about transfers as well because there is a bit of transfers to talk about. Um, Marquinhos, Nicola Pepe, Trusty, all looking like they're heading towards the exits. Trusty is the closest to joining Sheffield United for £5 million. Marquinhos uh, linked with a move to, uh, to Olympiacos on loan. I think that's a, a good choice. I think you'll get mm. a lot, plenty of minutes in a team that dominate a lot of games if he can succeed, get the yeah. price tag up, might be able to sell him. Pepe, Besiktas are being talked about. As far as I'm aware, they're the team that are certainly interested. I think that's probably going to be a termination of a contract um we'll see uh what do you make of those three exits yeah it's starting to move now in terms of the outgoings i think um which is important because you've spoken about the fact that the squad is bloated um we now we now need to see uh outgoings taking place uh thick and fast before the season uh, starts um so good news in terms of that um good to get a good good money for austin trusty five million pounds we can see how he fares in the Premier League at Sheffield United. Again, I agree. I think Marquinhos is a good club and in Piarcos got that European pedigree over the past few seasons. Um, a good league. Um, obviously, I think it was a bit stop-start in the championship for him at Norwich City. Um, it was a mixed bag. So you want to see a player like Marquinhos, no disrespect to Norwich, but playing at a high level, playing in one of the good European leagues and I think the Greek league uh, will represent that and in terms of Nico Pepe I'm not surprised that Arsenal are set to terminate his contract because for me we were never going to get any money for him like I heard talks of Arsenal fans saying 20 million pounds would be good 18 million pounds would be good and in my head it was always basically 
I would be happy to take 10 million pounds. But even that, I wasn't really... I was taking five. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, you, you just never expect... You were, you were never confident that yeah. was going to take place or no. someone was going to pay that amount of money. And Arsenal, look, you talk about the fact that this disrespect, I heard... Uh, it's, it's funny because when that news filtered out on social media, of all the positives Edu has got in recent weeks, what happened? You turn to negatives. Edu, what are you doing? You can't get £10 million on Nicolas Pepe. We spent £72 million outlay for this player. <laughs> Who is <laughs> getting £10 million quid for Nicolas Pepe? He's on £140,000 per week, which is the wage that he was put on before either of Arteta or Edu. His was. loan spell Edu was, was poor. His loan spell was Raul poor. he was the guy that was kind of, you know, the, the person really involved in that. Edu was kind of just come in at that point. And, you know, Arteta wasn't there, you know. Yeah. I, I, I get people asking me all the time. I was like saying, uh, they're saying to me, Arsenal needs to be more proactive with sales. And I'm like, okay, fine. It's easy to say that and leave a comment saying Arsenal are bad at selling. We're not yeah. good enough at selling. Bear in mind that we've already made 21 million quid more than that for Xhaka. Mm -hmm. We've made 5 million quid for uh, Marie and we've sold Trusty for, for 5 million pound about to. So that's yeah. 30 million, more than 30 million quid on those three. If you'd have said that we get over 30 million for Xhaka, Marie and Trusty, I'm like, yeah, cool. You know, that's, that's good good business. Yeah. Get that get that money in. Um, Balogun, hopefully, we can get good money for. And Arsenal have, have held firm, it seems, on their valuations, exactly. which is what people have asked for. <laughs> people have asked for Arsenal to be firmer with their valuations. Now it's like, well, maybe we should have accepted 35 million. You can't have it both yeah, ways. Like You can't have it both ways. And not only that, but... <laughs> Who is who? How can you how can you sell a player that no one wants exactly. to buy? You know, Besiktas might want to take Pepe if he's free. You know, if yeah. you can get him on a free transfer, and the same with Cedric. Like they're said to be clubs interested, but we've had no official offers as far as I'm aware. Um, Marquinhos is a player that's obviously you know needs to go on loan again. Laconga has had a really poor season, didn't do that much at Palace, and when Hodgson came in, wasn't really given an yeah, opportunity at all. But he could go to Burnley on loan and have a decent season under a manager that really likes him mm. and can use him. Tavares, I mean, he was brought in for like pittance <laughs> anyway, seven odd million quid. He's come in, did an okay job backing up Tierney, but never like pulled any trees up. Mm. He's gone to Marseille. Didn't have a very good season. It's like people still hold Genduzi against Dedu, like for the fact mm. we got like nine million quid for Genduzi. He went to Marseille on loan after behaving deplorably. Yeah, that's the reality. You may like Genduzi, or you like you like the fact that he sticks his chest out defending the club, <laughs> holds one nil up at Watford fans, and then we go and draw the game draw or whatever. Team, yeah. You know, you might love the fact his attitude's like that, and he backs his team and all of that. You know, you might like his attitude in that way that he's a bit. Yeah, uh, I don't even know the right word. Roy Keenish, isn't it? Like yeah, but he went to Hertha Berlin, was mm. told that he was basically going through puberty still by the manager there. <laughs> they didn't then want to sign him. They're not my words, by the way. They're his words, the manager's words. He said that he's still going through puberty. Um, they didn't then want to sign him on a permanent deal. And the only team interested when Genduzi left was Marseille on mm. loan with an mm. option or an obligation to buy. No one else was coming in. Like People were talking about, well, he was linked with a £50 million move for PSG. It's all well and good being linked, but you're not. No one's come happening. in and bid fifty million quid. And now, after being at Marseille for a couple of seasons, I don't see the PSGs of this world coming in. I think the only team I've seen linked to West Ham, uh, to Gendouzi, or Villa, because so, of Unai Emery. Or, yeah, because of Unai Emery, of course. And it's like, if we have such a low opinion of Edu and such a low opinion of Arsenal sales, 
then why could no one ever come up with a strategy or a solution or tell me what we're doing wrong and what needs to change and how that change comes about? I mean, Umar, can you? I know we were going on a little bit longer this I, morning, but do, I agree with you. Tell me any way you think Arsenal can be better at sales and what they need to do to do that better. I don't know. The only thing is these players, when they have an opportunity to go out on loan, they have to perform. The fact of the matter is when these players have gone out on loan, they've either been injured, they've not had an opportunity to shine, which can happen, or when they've had an opportunity to shine, they've been mediocre. Common fact, Nuno Tavares over in Marseille, poor. Yeah. Sambi Lokonga, Obviously, when Patrick Vieira was in charge of Crystal Palace, he was getting a, a few games here and there. Yeah. But when Roy Hodgson, as you've just touched on, came uh, became the new manager of Palace, he was nowhere near the team. So you can understand maybe that hasn't helped his case. But Balogun, he shined, yeah, over in Ligue 1. He played, he performed very well. The stats prove it. And look, this team's in and around Europe wanting Balogun. That's the key aspect for me. Inter Milan were willing to pay how much was the TC? 30 million, above 30 million pounds? Something like yeah. that. So that's an improvement, is it? Isn't it? Mm. That's mm. an improvement. That the fact that we, we've got exactly. We renewed teams. Balogun when he was basically out the door, you know, yeah. and we might now end up getting 35 plus million quid for the guy. Exactly. You know. And we've got a valuation in mind, which is 50 million pounds. Fair play mm. to Arsenal. I think they're doing the right thing yeah. in terms of that. But the fact that this team's now eyeing our players because he's shown away from Arsenal he can be a capable striker. Nicolas Pepe, his loan spell over in France, again, not good enough. Injuries, again, may have hampered that. So what, what can Arsenal do? What can Arsenal do? <laughs> like, teams, and they have scouts in charge. They have um, people who watch games. You think scouts in charge are going to come back to their club, are going to come back to Besiktas and going to say, yeah, Nicolas Pepe is good. He had a good spell over in France. Let's pay £10 million for him. Where he, where he didn't. He didn't have a good spell over in France. So, look, Nicolas Pepe, a termination of his contract, I think, is the right thing to do. Just get him out of the door. Wish him the best. Um, it's not worked. The £72 million outlay, it can happen. It can happen. Not every deal is going to work. Not every deal is going to be a success. We've seen in the past some deals go bang, whereas some deals just basically, they just just don't work. You hold your hands up and you say, okay, fair enough. It's not worked. Let's get them out the door. And I think they're doing the right thing there. Like There is no strategy. The only strategy is, these players go out on loan. If given an opportunity, they prove their worth. If they prove their worth, the valuation rockets. If they don't, we're in the same position. That's that's the yeah. only excuse I can find. To be fair, yeah. uh, I will never ever cease to be amazed by you know comments left saying we need to be better at selling that have no clue how we do that. You know, and never offer up the suggestion of, of what that solution to that problem is. Bear in mind, right? Xhaka was being linked with a thirteen million pound move to buy Leverkusen and Edu managed to wangle 21 and a half million quid out of buy Leverkusen no no praise so a player who's 30 one year left on his deal after seven years at Arsenal we got back more than half what we paid for him seven years and it's and it's because Granit Xhaka had a very good season Mm. it's it's because he had a very good season and by Leverkusen and Xabi Alonso probably thought to themselves look he's worth paying that bit of extra money Mm. because he's proved it he was he was brilliant for Arsenal 
when they were challenging in the league against Manchester City. He's he's worth paying an additional five, six, seven million pounds. Let's for, say, for example, he never had a good season. Yeah, I don't yeah. think Bayer Leverkusen would have budged. Do you? No, I don't think they would have needed to. You know, exactly. Javier Alonso really wanted him. He had a great season. They knew they were getting a really good player, uh, no matter his age. And he wanted to move and Arsenal were willing to facilitate that for the right fee. And they got the right fee. So yeah. there you go. Uh, Amira said, have you guys read, said, seen any quotes in the Ramsdale Players Tribune? Yeah, I I'm halfway through it. Um, you know, I got in yeah, very close to 10. So uh, I was only able to read the first half of it. I know uh, you've read it, Umar. Just very quickly before we wrap up, really kind of grounded, blunt, words from Ramsdale yeah uh, I loved it to be honest um I love the fact that he touched on homophobia in football um without giving too much away because I know a lot of people would have not read the interview but I think it's a, it's a good read it's a must read so if you haven't uh, read it uh, be sure to check out his socials but yeah I like the fact that he's blunt he spoke about the fact that before he was moving to Arsenal um, there was a lot of criticism but again criticism is fine when it borders on disrespect, abuse, I think that's wrong. And he spoke about the fact that Arsenal being interested in a player like Aaron Ramsdale it makes you proud. It makes you feel, wow, that this is a special moment in my career for my family, etc. But when you switch on your phone and you see tons of notifications on Instagram, on social media, calling you words like which which you shouldn't basically you don't deserve to be honest just because you play football or just because you've been relegated he doesn't make the decision in terms of Arsenal wanting him or Arsenal paying that amount of money for him Ramsdale doesn't say look Arsenal if you want me you need to pay 30 million pounds Arsenal have a set valuation in place they wanted Ramsdale and I think it's worked it's worked yes yeah. there's still development that needs to basically um, come from his side in his game but again, how old is he? 24, 25? Still a baby. Oh, yeah. Still a baby in terms of when you speak about goalkeepers. Yeah. Buffon retired yesterday. How old is he? 45? 45? Is he 43? 45. Maybe, yeah. For some, something like that. I'm not sure, but something Buffon, in... Yeah? Yeah, 45. Something, 45. Wow. And yeah. retired yesterday. So Gosh. 20 years older um, than Aaron Ramsdale. But I liked it. I think... It needs to a lot needs to be spoken about social media and people being allowed to say what they want without no basically um, no punishment. You see it. You see people with bots accounts on social media with no profile pictures, basically effing and blinding, saying what they want because they're just behind the, sc the screen. End of the day, the keyboard warriors, the keyboard warriors. If you're not going to say it to someone in front of their face, just don't say it online. Just don't say it online. End of the day, football is a game of 90 minutes. It's not life and death, folks. Yeah. It's not life and death. It's a, it's a game of 90 minutes of football, which we all love to basically dissect. Um, we love the good moments. We love the bad moments. We love analysing things. We love discussing things. But when it starts bordering on abuse, disrespect, you getting frustrated, you getting depressed, basically turn off your phone, switch off your laptop, go out for a walk because I think uh, people, especially in this modern era, TC, it's got so 20 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't like this. It was not like this. You didn't have the platform for it. Exactly. So. It was not like this. So it's a 90 minute game of football folks. 
there's more to life. Exactly. I know I know people don't like being told the words it's just a game because, you know, I know it is more than just a game to people. And I used to get very frustrated when I was younger and someone would say it's just a game and I'd be annoyed. And like when Arsenal lose, my mood changes. It, it does. That's, yeah. That I agree. But we, we analyse that. To life. But we analyse that. Exactly. Yeah, we analyse that in a way which is good. We learn more in terms of a performance, players. We analyse it in a way it should be. We can be critical as well. We've sat here so yeah. many times and we've been critical of players, times. manager, etc. But we don't sit here, turn the stream on, start effing and blinding, saying, this guy's an effer, this guy's... You know what I mean? We basically mm. say, this guy, he's had a bad performance. It's not good enough. He needs to do better. If it's not going to take place in the upcoming months, he needs to depart. Simple. When it starts bordering on abuse, again, okay. like I said, go out for a walk. Absolutely. Clear yeah, get some air and find out there is more to life than just football. But uh, when your life does uh, want to find its way back to football, please make sure that you are uh, staying tuned <laughs> to the channel and listening like to myself and Uma. There you go. That's how you bring it back. Um, but thanks everyone for listening. I know it's been a slightly longer show than usual. We had a lot to discuss today. Um, but thank you for listening. Umar, thank you for jumping on, mate, as always. Always appreciate TC. Nice chat. Look forward to that interview with Eddie. Mm, yeah coming out uh midday so uh, if you want to read that on fl you'll be able to read that in a bit uh, thank you so much guys for listening have a fantastic day and uh, as always keep following us down the arsenal way